Okay. <coughs> you can be open your Bibles up to Galatians. Uh, we started, a, we began our study in Galatians last week. Uh, and we talked a lot about that letter to the churches that were in the, most, mostly in the southern region of what's called Galatia. If you look at a map, you know, it's, it's above to the north of the Great Sea. Uh, not, not that far from Palestine, actually, um, or Israel at the time. Um, and these, these were places that Paul and Barnabas and others had, had established the churches on his missionary journeys, which we read about in Acts, right? They went through. Uh, first missionary journey established several churches there in Galatia at the time. And actually, we, read, we saw where he went back and visited them at least two other times on, on his three missionary journeys that we know about. So... He's very involved with these congregations. He knows the brethren there, right? He established those churches there. Well, God established them through Paul. And he has a great love for those brethren, a great uh, feeling or need to uh, help them to grow, to rebuke them, as we saw in the first chapter there, where he's saying, I marvel that you have left what I taught you. Have you left the things and are trying to go back to obeying the law of Moses, you know, we talked about the Judaizing teachers coming in and saying, well, even though you're a Christian, you still got to keep the law. You still got to be circumcised. And Paul's showing them, look, I didn't tell you that. I marvel that you've already left this. What are you doing? It's not about the law anymore. It's about liberty in Christ and our love for the Father and love for the Son. And that's what he's talking about. We're going to see that theme all the way through this letter, right? We're going to see how he's um, <clears throat> making a case for them that they don't have to, it's not about obeying the law. Sure, we know what sin is through the law, but it's not about that keeping the law. It's not about being circumcised. It's about that love we have for the Savior and how all that pointed to him in the future when he came. So we're going to see a lot of that in the theme. He also has to do some things like defend his apostleship. You're going to see how he does that because obviously some of those Judaizing teachers are going around and saying, well, he, Paul's not an apostle. You know, he, 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 he's just telling this stuff. He, he's, not, he's not anybody. And we're going to see Paul talking about that, as, as a matter of fact, who he was, how he met the Lord, and the reasons why he is an apostle. Today we're going to talk a little bit about, though, that greeting, uh, that greeting at the beginning of chapter 1. And let's just get right into it. Let's read Galatians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. He says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. You see right off the bat, he's defending his apostleship. He didn't come from men, it came from God. <clears throat> and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, here we have his greeting to the churches of Galatia, right, in this letter. Who from? From God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. He makes sure they understand this is not just coming from him. He's not an apostle from men. This is from God himself, who has appointed him to be the apostle to the Gentiles. He has sent him to be the apostle to the Gentiles. He has sent him to preach, not just to the Jews, but to all the folks in the world. And we are thankful for that, right? Thank God that he did that. Thankful 
that we know the good news through that. <coughs> so he gets in there, he talks about that, he says, he's, uh, grace and peace be to who, you know, the grace being from God who gave himself for our sins from Jesus, that he might deliver us from this present age. There's that peace, right? Delivering. You think about that in a, in a battle, you know, when somebody's trapped and all of a sudden the cavalry rides in and delivers them from that terrible peril that they're in. And you get peace from that, that contentment, that, oh, we're saved, right? That's where that's coming from. That's what he's talking about. It's delivering you from the evil, the evil that's in this present age. Today we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to direct our attention toward that phrase. And what does that mean exactly? What does that mean to say he's going to deliver us from the evil of this present age? Well, obviously we've heard a lot about Jesus dying for our sins, right? Obvious, right? And that's part of it. That's part of that delivery, right? That Jesus is our Savior. He's been, he has died for us. He's paid the price for our sin. And now we have freedom. Now we have peace. Now we have grace because of that, right? And what a wonderful thing that is. And remember at the end of the book of John, he said, now you have abundant life. Not, not, that, not just the hope of eternal life with him, but abundant life while here on earth. You can have a peaceful, joyous life on this earth, this dark world, the time where we are in the flesh, the time when we have issues, we get sick, we have, we have ailments. We lose people, friends, loved ones because of death that's in the world, because of sin. You see, this is a sinful world. And because of that sin, terrible things occur in this world. But we can have a hope and we can have a joy and we can have an abundant life even though those things happen. It's been said our lives are really just a continuation in time of one problem after another, right? And it never seems to end, right? As soon as you get something fixed at home, something else breaks. Or you lose a job, and then you get a new job, but then somebody dies. Or something like that. There's always something happening in your life that you think, I finally got there. I'm finally arrived. And then something happens immediately, right? In fact, you don't even want to say it, right? Because you know you're going to jinx it, don't you? I know, I know. I've said that before. Be careful lest you fall. There's also that, right? There's also that thing that says we have to stay steadfast in our faith. Through that abundant life, we continue to grow spiritually. We continue to be delivered from the evil of this present age. Interesting how he uses that phrase. The word age, obviously, is used here to mean a period of time, right? And most likely a present time is the way he's using that. <clears throat> Paul views that time in the first century when he's writing this letter as evil. You remember back in Ephesians, we talked about that, how in Ephesians 6, around verse 13, he said, take up the full armor of God so that you can be on defense from this evil time, the evil day. He talks about that a lot. He talks about that in his letters to the church in Ephesus and to the churches in Galatia. This is an evil time. This is an evil age. Be on the alert. Be on guard. Do not be, be careful do, unless you fall, because it can happen. You may not be able to stay with it. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that means, how he delivers us from this present age. We've talked a lot about being in Christ. We said that in Ephesians, Colossians, of being in him. Ephesians, he talks about that constantly in the first part of the letter. 
about the first three chapters, how the blessings, the great blessings that you have in Christ Jesus, the hope that you have in him, it's all in him. You can't do it without him. You're not going to have that hope, that joy, that deliverance in this world without Jesus Christ. Turn over with me to Romans chapter 1. And let's read some verses from there. <clears throat> Romans chapter 1. And let's see what he said to the church in Rome about this time, about this evil age. Beginning in verse 18. <clears throat> All right. And, and to put a foundation for this, he's talking about what the Gentiles, where they were. He's talking to the church in Rome about how the Gentiles didn't have any excuse, right? Yeah, you had the law, you Jews. You knew about God. You knew what was right and wrong. But the Gentiles didn't have an excuse either. And then he's going to talk about this evil age. Beginning in verse 18, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. What? He's shown it to the Gentiles too. They may not have had the law, but that's what Paul is saying here. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. The creation. They see the creation just like the Jews did. Even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie. In other words, they were darkened and they just exchanged the truth. They, they could see it. He's saying they didn't have any excuse and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. The evil age. These people have turned from God and are worshiping idols, worshiping the creature, the things that are passing away. For this reason, God gave them up to their vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. Does that sound kind of like today? Hmm. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting because being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. Not only do the same, 
but also approve of those who practice them. That last phrase is interesting, right? Not only do they do the things, they glory it. They glorify it. They, they rel relish in it, right? They love it. They applaud that kind of thing. Sound like today a little bit? Paul describes these sins as the evil age, the evil of his day, right? For denying the creator and suppressing the truth, he's given up for their own vile passions. They fall into depravity. They, use, uh, they were filled with all sorts of unrighteousness, right? And that seared their minds. They're at the point now where they delight in it. They are darkened, hearts are darkened. They are not doing the natural thing the way God designed his creation to be. And that's really what it's all about, right? Man thinks he knows best. That's what it boils down to, right? Man thinks he knows better. And what pleases man is cool. That's all. That's all you got to know. Whatever feels right is right. Whatever feels good is good, right? That's what it ends up boiling down to. There's no standard. There's no need to worry about what's right for me. You don't tell me what's right and wrong. I decide that for myself. He called such sins the work of the flesh. In Galatians there, turn over to chapter 5. Let's read a couple of verses from chapter 5. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 17 of chapter 5 there, he says, I'm sorry, I'm in Ephesians. Let me get to Galatians. Uh, let's, start, let's begin in verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you, not do, you do not do the things that you wish, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is the evil age that he's talking about. Sound a little bit like today. Paul and the early church, early Christians, found themselves living in a very evil time, just like today. Just like we see in the way things are done today. Many today, right, don't think anything about fornication, right? Let's just shack up for a while, see if it's going to work out before we get married. See it all the time. Colleagues at work have children. Get in time, they want to get married, but eh, they're going to live together for a little while. No big deal. The way it is in the world. That's just the way it is, right? That's just the way it is in the world. Adultery. Divorce is rampant, right? There's no commitment anymore. If it don't work out, we'll just get divorced. Whoopee. Big deal, you know? One is considered enlightened, right? When they support things like abortion. When they support things like homosexuality. When they support things like same-sex marriage. I mean, that's cool, isn't it? That what? 
Yeah, changing your sex. That's right. Transgenderism. All these things that the world says are cool. And don't you tell me anything about it. I can live how I want to. Well, of course you can. But it's not the way God designed it. It's an evil, evil age, evil time. I don't mean to harp on things that are going on today, but, you know, it does seem like it keeps getting worse and worse, doesn't it? But these things were occurring in the first century. Ecclesiastes says, right? King Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. Paul is describing things that were going on then that we're seeing today. I don't know that they had same-sex marriage. I mean, I never, I never believed that would ever happen, but it did in this country. Can you imagine some of our grandparents, what they would say if they said <laughs> a man can marry a man today, or a woman can marry a woman in our country? These things are going on, but this was going on in the first century. More and more of our culture is accepting these things. Lasciviousness, pornography, right? Drug abuse, all these things are seem to be just common, natural things in our, our society today. All of which reflect a world that's been impacted by ungodly things, like humanism. What is humanism? It's basically atheism. It's the idea that we, we don't need to, we don't, we don't believe in a, in a supreme being. We, we follow the science, right? And of course, we saw with the pandemic, you heard that a lot, right? Follow the science. Where did it get you? Instead of following God, right? Yeah. Maybe we should have been saying, we need to get back to the Father and God. Maybe we need to be praying. I think we did that here. But in our society, that's no, no. Don't do that. No. Can't mention God. It's all about the science. That's a humanistic point of view, right? Evolution. Things just evolved. There was no God. The world just came from nothing. Makes about as much sense as the hole in my head. You know? I mean, I've, I've always said it takes a lot more faith to believe in these things than it does believe in God. Right? Selfishness. See that rampant, right? Whatever makes me, whatever feels good is good, right? I can do what I want. I don't care what happens to you. You, you do your thing, I'll do mine. Yeah. All that we see today but it, it's not new. There's much of that, much, there's much, not much different today than there was in Paul's day. Yet, Jesus gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age, just like Paul's talking about in the first century. Well, what is this, what is this all about? How, how does this occur? What, what is this deliverance from an evil age? What are we talking about here? Well, 1 John 3 says, sin is a transgression of God's law, right? The lawlessness of God. God has, God is love, love, God is true, God is without sin. He is the revealer, the, the revealer of truth to us who are in the flesh, without which we would not know the absolute truth. And there is absolute truth. But in the flesh, we can't know it all. Sure, he's saying the, the Gentiles had no excuse because they see there was a God just from creation, just by going outside and looking around and, trying, you know, pondering, where did this come from? But we had to have a revelation of who he was. We had to understand his truth, his love for us, his law. 
we had to be able to know what was right and what was wrong. Couldn't do that ourselves. He delivered us from this evil age, and we know about sin. And Romans 3, 23 says, all have sinned, fallen short of the glory. Yet Ephesians 1, 7 says, Jesus' blood frees us from that guilt. And we know we then receive the Spirit. Acts 2, right? 38. Baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 1. In Jesus, there is no condemnation. But that's the only way. It's not in yourself. You can't deliver yourself. There's no condemnation in him. We have a deliverance from that power of sin. We studied John. Let's, let's go back and look at the passages from the book of John in chapter 8 to see what the Lord said about that deliverance from the dominion of sin. Chapter 8, about verse 31. He said, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believe in me, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Sin enslaves us, but we are freed from that in Christ Jesus. There's that phrase again, in Christ Jesus. We receive that spirit when we're baptized, and that spirit is what helps us to put to death the deeds of the flesh. In Jesus, we are freed from that law of sin and death. You say, well, I, that's hard. I, I don't understand. I, I still get tempted. I still have a hard time dealing, dealing with sin. There's certain things that I struggle with, right? Well, he also delivers us from that temptation. Did you know that? Have you ever considered that? When you're tempted with something, does that come to your mind that God, help me get away from this. I need a way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10, let's look at it. Ten and verse 12. 1 <clears throat> Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore let him who think he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation is overtaking you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Do you believe that? you believe that verse? Absolutely. Do you believe it? When you're tempted with something, does that come to mind? Maybe that's something you need to put on, on, your, on your head, on your heart, right? When I'm tempted, help me, Father, to escape this. Give me some way to get out of this. Yeah, it's hard sometimes. I, I know, we're, we're human. We're in the flesh. We have temptation. It's all around us. Just like the Lord was tempted, right? Scripture says he was tempted. Part of that was so he would know what it's like. We know what it's like to be tempted. But Paul says God always provides you a way of escape, and he's not going to let you be tempted beyond what you can handle. 
Did you know that? And it's no excuse to say, I can't handle it. If you believe that verse, you can do it with his help. So that's part of it. Jesus teaches that we are to watch and pray that we might avoid temptation in Matthew 26. Just read 1 Corinthians 10 where he says every temptation can be avoided. We are not going to be tempted beyond what we can bear. In Jesus Christ, the godly can find deliverance out of temptation. That's part of that growth process, right? Yeah, when we first became Christians, there's probably you can probably look back and say, there were some things that I couldn't handle for a while. It took me a while to get past. Or maybe there's some things you're still struggling with. But Jesus says, pray that the Father will help you, and he will be faithful to do it. He will not allow you to bear, be, uh, be tempted beyond what you can bear. What else is he talking about here? Deliverance from this evil age. Well, he's talking about this darkness of this world. Turn back over to Ephesians. We studied this a few weeks ago, but let's, let's go look at it again. Ephesians chapter 4. And see what Paul said to the church in Ephesus about this dark world. Ephesians 4, and let's begin in uh, verse uh, 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man which was created according to God into righteousness and holiness. You see, those without Christ are constantly becoming darker and darker. Consciousness are being seared. They're past feeling. Think about that for a minute. The world, that's, that's, that's how it is. People committing sin, they don't even think about it. They don't even feel it. It's just normal. It's a moral darkness. And you remember, first chapter, John said, the word, in the beginning was the word, where's the God? And then they came into a dark world. He was the light in this dark world. This world is dying. It's running down, passing away. And we'll talk about that in a second. But he also provides that deliverance from moral darkness. How does he do that? Well, as we've talked about, growing, being here, studying his word, trying to understand what his truth is. He's revealed it, but we have work to do. We can't just sit back and say, tell me all about it, Lord. He's provided us the opportunity to dig in. And in that process of study, of being in prayer, we grow. We are taken out of the darkness and into the light, glowing from him, glowing from the Lord that great light that the world doesn't want to see, wants to hide from, wants nothing to do with. So, 
we have this deliverance from a moral darkness. Jesus reveals the moral truth and how we are to be renewed in righteousness and holiness. In Jesus, that light shines in that moral mass, morass that plagues the world. What else can we say about that? Well, it's also deliverance from a world that's passing away. Yeah, I know, that, that's, a, that's a hard one. I mean, we read that in Scripture, right? The world's passing away. But we go on with our lives every day, you know. We're busy, we go to work, we go to school, whatever it is. We don't think about the fact that the world's passing away. As far as I know, tomorrow's going to come. As far as I know, the day after that's going to come. We think in the future, is this just going to happen, right? Uh, three months from now, I'm going to start a diet. Uh, you know, I can handle it till then. Next year, I'm going to see if I can find a better job. Well, yeah, I know next year's coming, right? We don't think about the fact that, wait a minute, it might not come. We just plan it out, don't we? We make plans as if it's always going to be here. But that's not the truth from the Scripture. This world's passing away. And he's delivering us from this. Turn over to 1 John. I'm going to read something from that. It's a very potent passage. 1 John chapter 2. Bending over verse 15. He says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of a God, will of God abides forever. Three things he mentions there. Basically, you can sum up all sin and temptation in those three things, right? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. But all this is passing away. It's not going to be around forever. He who abides in the will of God will abide forever. What you're doing now, according to the will of God, is going to last. Did you know that? When you do something today, according to the will of God, it's something that's going to last for eternity. It's going to affect you, your soul, and most likely it's going to affect somebody else's soul. Perhaps in your family, perhaps a friend, perhaps a co-worker. You don't even realize it. But what you do, according to the will of God, lasts forever. That's something you might want to think about daily. What I do today according to the will of God is what's going to last forever. Not that I need to get something done at work or not that I need to go to the grocery store and buy some food. Yeah, you need to do that. But that's not going to last forever. This world is passing away. I've talked about this many times. If we have a hope of eternal life, then things in this world don't really matter, do they? I know that's hard to, that's hard to grip, right? That's hard to come to grips with that this life is just temporary, right? 
this life is not going to last forever. The day is coming when this world and its works will be burned up. We read that in 2 Peter 3. It's going to be burned up. Even if we live out our lives, they're just a momentary vapor. James 4, 14. Our lives are like a vapor. Here for just a little while and then vanishes away. Mentioned that before. You want to know the reality is? The greatest rally show ever is going to be after. After all this ends. That's going to be real. You think this is real. You can touch things, you know. Everything seems real, right? It's just a vapor. It's just here for a little while. And it's going to be gone. Burned up. Thrown away with the chaff. Eternity is going to be real. You say, well, I, I, I don't understand that. I can't fathom. Oh, no, not, not in the flesh. It's hard to understand what the spiritual world is going to be like exactly. We don't know. But we have the word to tell us about it, the truth. If you believe it, then it should become something that pervades your life, right? Something that you're constantly have thought about. Yeah, we have worries, we have things that concern us, and we should, especially when we have loved ones that are hurting or ailing or whatever. But ultimately, it's not going to matter. What's going to matter is doing the will of God. That's what's going to abide forever. It will eventually come either at the return of Christ or at our death, right? One way or the other, it's going to end for us. In Jesus, we hear the promise of deliverance from every evil work. That's what we're talking about. You have deliverance from this evil age. Those are the ways it's done. Yeah, it's not easy. Didn't say it was going to be easy and something you just glide on through. Didn't promise health and wealth. But in him, we have a promise, right? We have the promise of eternal life, abundant life. Living in a morally confused and spiritual dark world, in Jesus we find deliverance from that guilt of sin, which I hope you do. Deliverance from that power of sin, we are freed from it. Deliverance from the temptation of sin, deliverance from that moral darkness of our world, and deliverance from the world that is passing away. Of all those, I want you to spend, on, uh, spend time, spend thinking about that. This world's passing away. It's not going to last. I, I, a good example with me would be in a job, you know, you're, maybe you've got a big project you're working on. I, I, I've been through this. Kind of going through one right now, actually. And there's some stress involved because I have deadlines. I have things I have to get done. And you do something that doesn't work, now you've got to figure it out. And you've got people saying, why ain't this working? Or why, when are you going to get this done? Yeah, that happens. But you know where I go back to usually when I'm getting really stressed out? This too will pass. Eventually, I'm going to get past this. We'll figure it out. I may get some people upset in the process, but we'll get it done. And you know what? Ultimately, it really don't matter. I remember back earlier in my career, something had happened in my career, and I was 
something got messed up. I, you know, system didn't come up right or something. And my boss, I had to face him the next day and go in there and tell him what happened, you know. Well, he had been gone the whole weekend because his father had passed away. He lived down, he's from South Georgia. His father had passed away, so he'd been at his father's funeral. And I'm thinking on that Monday morning, I got to go ahead and talk to him, tell him what happened. He's going to be all, uh, and I told him what happened. And he looked at me straight in the face. He says, you know what? It don't matter. And I was dumbfounded. I said, huh? <laughs> I didn't expect that to come from him. It don't matter. Because his father just died. That was on the forefront of his mind. This world is going to end. Things in this life don't really matter. So I walked away. I felt like I'd been forgiven of sin. <laughs> I walked away. I remember that. But it's true. It's very true. If we can have that attitude, things in this life won't be so stressful, perhaps. Things in this life won't be so hard to deal with. And that's what the Father wants us to do. Pray unceasingly. That relationship, right? That willingness to take care of us and provide for us as long as we are faithful and willing to do His will. That's what's going to abide forever. We note that such deliverance is, of course, according to the will of our God and Father. It is his plan from the very beginning. It was his love that offered his son for our sins. That was planned. How should we respond? Well, we are designed, the creature is designed to the, be the praise and glory of his grace. To honor him, to obey his will, and in that process, we glorify him. That dark world we've been talking about, this evil age we've been talking about, through us, they see God. And they have no excuse. It's not just the creation. Well, really it is. We're the creature, right? And when we abide in him and we do his will, we show the world what God is all about. And he's glorified. That's our purpose, folks. That's it. That's what we're supposed to do in this world. We're designed for All these things that we, that we talked about there in Romans 1 that were going on then, that are going on now, it's temporary, it's going to pass away. And what's going to last is what we did for God. So, hope you've got a good lesson out of this today. I hope I didn't blast you too hard. Maybe gave you some things to think about. Maybe gave you something that you might want to think about more often, right? All right, thanks for being here.